spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Thank you for joining us on EZ's Community Focus, where we look at the issues that matter in South Florida and the people and organizations that are making a difference. Of course, the coronavirus has been top of mind for everyone for the last several months. The numbers have not calmed down yet, and it's impacted people in so many different ways, obviously financially and with jobs and with health. But one thing that a lot of people aren't aware of is that the order to stay at home for some people is more dangerous because of domestic violence. So it's my pleasure to welcome President and CEO of Women in Distress, Mary Riedel. Thank you for being here. Alan, so good to be with you, and thank you for your work, as always. Um, It is. It's a challenging time. It's a dual threat, uh, you know, just as you've outlined. It's a public health crisis, and it's this economic decline, and people are not safer at home. This is a really concerning, you know, and it's a real red warning sign because since this crisis really hit, I would say, in you know, in mid-March, women in distress, and of course, there are 41 other domestic violence centers here in the state of Florida, all across the state have seen declines in people coming forward for help, calls to crisis lines, seeking shelter. So that in itself is a real warning sign. So people, survivors are literally trapped at home Children are not in daycare and schools. Uh, The normal routines for families have been interrupted. There's additional stressors with economic stress that I think we're just starting to feel. So, you know, we're concerned. We know there's this demand and survivors need to reach out and need safety planning. We also know we're really concerned about children because those abuse cases, daycares and schools that normally would have eyes on these children do not. Right. So this is um, also, you know, of concern. So it's we, fortunately, you know, I'm happy to report and for women in distress and also for the DV centers around the state, we've been able to continue, you know, our full range of services, albeit in different ways and with limitations. Um, We're now doing therapy and counseling by telephone and by telecommunication needs, which has really worked better than we anticipated. We're helping the children who are out of school with the virtual school and helping them on that side. Uh, But we continue to, our crisis line is 24-7. We have limitations in our shelter because we have to abide by the distancing and social distancing and the safety rules. So we are currently in a shelter-in-place situation with our shelter uh, in order to keep our staff and the participants safe. So our staff, I'm very proud, has really stepped up. Um, It's a challenging time for everyone. So we're open for business, as are the centers around the state, but it's just a real concern. The needs are great. We know there's a pent-up demand and people are trapped. And so we're concerned now. And as we look at the weeks and months ahead, when there's even a little opening in these crises or some of the limitations, 
agencies like are going to be flooded with people right. looking for help. So essentially at this point, you've moved the services for the most part to teleservices or online. You can't take new people in the shelter. Is that correct? We are um, continuing to evaluate it on a case-by-case basis because we know there are high lethality cases. We've had those in recent weeks. We will make room for those cases. But we are in a quarantine situation, so anyone coming into shelter cannot leave the campus. So for some people, that isn't practical. But I think the crisis line is a very important portal. The outreach advocates are available by phone. The therapists are available to do that, talk through the situations. But no, we are committed to helping people in very dangerous situations. Okay. Now, you still have the legal protection services, the injunction services. Nothing has changed with that. Yes. And that's very important. We have a team of five attorneys, the injunction for protection legal team. Beginning in mid-March, they are all working remotely. So they're doing petitions, talking to clients, able to file the injunctions for restraining orders or give people guidance. They've actually had court hearings by telecommunication means. So that's been very important. And on the law enforcement and the judicial side, of course, they're seeing more domestic violence cases come through. And the other thing of concern is often these cases are more potentially more lethal and dangerous. Right. Um, there are weapons in the home, you know, and I've heard that from a number of law enforcement sources. And those are very volatile situations. This is the kind of thing where you've got emotions involved and you just never know what's going to happen. Exactly. So we've been reaching out to our supporters, our media partners like you and Cox Broadcasting and others, and to our funders, both private and on the public sector. I have to say they've been very, the public sector funders have been flexible where they can. You know, this has been important. So we want to let our supporters know that we are here. You know, Women in Distress is here. Domestic violence centers around the state are here to meet the needs at this critical time. You know, we're doing it sometimes in different ways, and but it is more important than ever. And it's good. It's important for people to know that. Right. And I know you've helped us a lot by building awareness about our crisis line number, about our website. And so those portals are very important as well. And let's go ahead and give those out. The crisis line number 954-761-1133. The website womenindistress.org. And all of the contact information is there and how to reach out if you should need help. One of the things I'm curious about, if you're doing telework with people and having uh, therapy sessions with people who are at home, does that give you more insight into someone's situation when you can actually see the background of what things are like in their home? Interesting, especially our children and family therapists have said, you know, and of course they have to screen and be sure it's safe, that, you know, a safe environment that they can do it. But they have made the comment that it's giving them a different, a new perspective and, and exactly a different perspective on kids are anxious to show their room or show them their pet or show them their you know, toys. So that obviously that very personal interaction is so important. But this is uh, this has been, I would say, one of the good 
outcomes that have come from this. Right. Now, for the clients who are currently at Women in Distress in shelter, has the day-to-day changed? Are they forced to shelter in their rooms? Or because most people are on campus all the time, they're considered to be safe? Now, in our shelter, uh, people, unless they have work schedules, cannot leave the shelter site. Right. And as you know, that's in a we don't disclose that location, but uh, that's for everyone's uh, protection. You know, it should, and that has come with some centers and some homeless shelters too. Someone, we haven't been at that point, but we have, uh, if someone had showing symptoms or had to be isolated for any reason, that's a different story. Fortunately, we have not faced that. Are your but, workers and therapists who are on site, are they now forced to remain on site? No, they're working their regular shifts and they have, um, because we have to be concerned about their health and well-being and giving them the support that they need. So um, they've really, that's been important. And, you know, it's been a struggle for organizations like Human Service to get masks, to get gloves, to get the, you know, and of course the hospitals, of course, are in the first in line on that. But for even initially, you know, just getting food supplies and just your, so we've been able with the help of our community partners and our funders to kind of work through some of those initial logistics issues. So, well, one of the things that I've been discovering as I'm speaking to all of our different partners, those who are nonprofits, one of the biggest issues that you're running into is you're not able to hold the fundraisers that you normally do that bring people together, not only to learn about the organization and have firsthand experience with the people, but to raise money. For example, at this point right now, we would normally be looking toward your starfish luncheon next month. Exactly. And yeah, unfortunately, we've had to cancel that. It's not the time to have a five or 600 person (laughs) event. Oh, no. but it is your for us. It's that that forty percent of our budget that comes from private sources, fundraising, you know, and individual donors are a big piece of that. So that's been, you know, really difficult to work through. We also use those private funds to get matching, you know, to qualify for matching funds that, to get public sector and other grants. So it's kind of a you know it's a double edged sword. So right. we at this point everyone. Every individual and every organization and every business is being affected. So our position is just to keep our community informed about the resources that are available. And then when there will be a recovery phase, and this the recovery phase is going to be probably over a long time, you know, yeah. many months. Yeah. And so that's when we're really going to need those that support, you know, in in, in a stepped up way. So, but, you know, events like our Mother's Day campaign, I mean, we want to celebrate too and give people the opportunity to support us. Mother's Day to honor a special woman, you know, in your life or a person in your life. So we're going to be able to do that campaign and do it online and uh, social media. You know, we've all learned a lot about social media and how to use it effectively and message that. So many people in Broward will remember Kristen Jacobs. I was just thinking about her. was a champion uh, yeah. for domestic violence. Kristen, of course, was a longtime Broward County commissioner, then served in the state legislature in recent years. She unfortunately um, had a long battle with cancer, passed away earlier this month. Yeah. Uh, 
but continues to leave a legacy. And so people were able to make gifts in her honor. And oh, that's wonderful. she directed some of her campaign funds. So, you know, even in her very last days was continuing to help survivors. Uh, well, she was passionate about domestic violence and also many, you know, the environment and work, you know, living wage and many other issues. But she had a special place for us, I think. She was a big eye opener for me personally. The first time I went to the Starfish Luncheon, you bring up people and introduce those who have been survivors of domestic mm-hmm. violence, and you always make a point of having a wide range of people from different backgrounds. And she stood up there and introduced herself as, you know, Broward County Commissioner Christian Jacobs. I'm a survivor. And I looked at that. I said, oh, my God, this is so much more far reaching than I ever thought. And the typical stereotypes I had in my head up until that point Mm -hmm. about who is involved in domestic violence were completely thrown away. And I've never forgotten that. I've never forgotten her courage in standing up. And when I saw that she had passed, I was heartbroken for so many reasons, like you say, so much that she had done for the community, but also her support in expanding people's vocabulary and understanding of domestic violence. So a very, very big loss and very sad for her family as well. And I'm glad that people were able to make donations to you in her honor. And I'll encourage people to continue to do Mm -hmm. that. I mean, I know that right now donations are your main way of income. The thrift shop had to close down. Yes. And unfortunately, you know, just due to safety concerns and keeping with that, we did as of April 1st. So like many organizations and businesses, we're waiting. We hope we can. But that's a source both for revenue and for, you know, goods for things that our participants may need, clothing, household items. Um, so there, too, it's an important channel. But we also had to be concerned about the safety of our staff and our customers and our participants. So right. hopefully that, you know, we can reopen when it's safe. Yeah. Well, you know, if people continue to do their social distancing I believe that is the best way to uh, limit the numbers during the time that researchers are looking to find treatments and a vaccine. So we continue to do our part. They continue to do their part. And ideally, sooner rather than later, we'll be able to get things going, but not sooner to the point where it's more dangerous. Exactly. So our message is, yeah, unfortunately, We're needed 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We are open. Our services are open, as I say, with in some new ways and with some limitations. But that, you know, and you've been such an important partner in letting people know that. And then I think the second message is there's going to be a coming wave. And is our community ready with a safety net, not only for domestic violence survivors, but for other people who are going to find themselves jobless or homeless or, you know, dealing with this. So hopefully we're thinking ahead as a community and maybe this experience has given us, um, you know, more empathy or we're seeing things in a new light. I'm, I would be hopeful, but I'm not um, certain. I think the needs are going to be great. They are. Do you have recommendations on what we can do to prepare for that onslaught? Well, I think we would say, and many, is the support. You know, if people can donate whatever that amount and whatever any in any way, that is going to help organizations like Women in Distress and so many others now and make sure that we're in a place that we are going to be when 
we know those numbers are going to spike. We don't know exactly, you know, when those things are going to open up, but it's going to be in the coming weeks and months so that we can be prepared better to do that. We, uh, I think, really think of it as emergency response grants yeah. helping, you know, or support now and in the very near future. So the best you know, I, for us, and I think for many organizations, that financial support is, is critical. Okay. Well, for whatever reason you have to donate, whether it's in honor of a mother for the Mother's Day campaign, in memory of Kristen Jacobs, in memory of someone you know who has been damaged by domestic violence, or just because you care about your friends and neighbors, the phone number is 954 954- Seven six one eleven thirty three, and the website where you can make donations online, womenindistress.org. Mary Riedel, you keep us going. <laughs> Thank well, you. Well, you've been a champion and a voice, so you stay well. You too. Stay safe. Thank you. Thank you, Ellen. Okay. Joining us for our next segment of Easy's Community Focus, I'm very happy to welcome a couple of representatives from the American Cancer Society, both the agency itself, the community development manager, Peter Rose, and the event lead for what is still going to be a Relay for Life event, Margarileville, Terry Brophy. But I want to start first, Peter. I know that you've obviously had to make some adjustments because of COVID-19 in some of the services that the American Cancer Society can offer. How has this pandemic affected what you're able to do? Well, first off, Ellen, thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to share some time with your listeners. And uh, yes, as an organization, the American Cancer Society has had to evaluate really what we do and how we do it. Fortunately, a lot of what we do comes from our volunteers like Terry from the ground up and helps us in raising the funds for our programs. Some of our programs, unfortunately, uh, in an abundance of caution, we We've had to postpone or put on hold, while other programs we've been able to ramp up. For example, our 24-7 hotline, we actually are fielding more calls than ever. In fact, in just the month of March, we had over 80% of our calls were patients and their loved ones calling with questions pertaining to cancer and COVID-19, trying to get that information. And fortunately, we have people there 24 hours a day, seven days a week to help them navigate our website, navigate our resources, and help provide some additional information. There was some hard calls made. Our Hope Lodges did have to be shut down because we couldn't risk one of the patients we were taking care of that were going out of town for treatment, getting sick or bringing somebody bringing in and getting all the patients inside the Hope Lodge 6. So that was a very hard decision as an organization that was made. The silver lining is because we had these facilities throughout the country, we were able to reach out to the different health systems, the hospitals, and offer up those locations for their doctors, for their nurses, so that they have a close place to stay so they can help in the fight with COVID. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's amazing when we look at our organization, and we are so blessed to have so many amazing people that have been touched by cancer one way or another, choose to volunteer, and it extends beyond. We are truly one community. Our hotel partner program, which is part of the Hope Lodge, is a partnership with hotels, and it is 
still in existence. It is still operating. We are still able to provide stays for those patients that have to get that necessary out-of-town treatment through our hotel partner program. So that is still up and running. Our American Cancer Society Cancer Action Network is continuing to lobby legislation to support cancer patients and their family, including looking out for cancer patients during this COVID-19 related to public policy. So there's a lot of things that we're doing there. Our research is continuing. There are over, I believe it's 749 active research grants that total over $420 million that are active research programs that are engaged right now that we have committed to funding that are still being funded so that we can hopefully say we ended cancer. And we do that together with the support of our volunteers. We pray. We pray that you're able to do that. And I really think it's important to remind people, you know, we are COVID-19 100% is the number one concern that people are thinking about other than those who have cancer, who not only are now dealing with cancer, but with the additional threat of being at higher risk for getting COVID-19. And, you know, just a reminder for people, when you look at the numbers, it's estimated that about 600,000 people in the country, just in the United States, will die from cancer this year. We know that cancer hasn't stopped. Cancer doesn't get notified, hey, there's a a new health concern out there, so go on vacation. And, um, (laughs) you know, unfortunately, I'm making a little light of it, but the truth of the matter is there is no stopping it until we can stop it. And so the efforts must continue. It won't stop. Neither will we. And, And I am grateful for the volunteers that I have the pleasure of supporting directly and those that are indirectly connected to our organization, indirectly to me, that are connected to our organization. Volunteers like Terry, uh, the Team Mission Possible captain and our event lead for Relay for Life of Pembroke Pines and Miramar, her efforts and the efforts of all our participants and supporters and sponsors. The city of Pembroke Pines came on board again this year as a presenting sponsor, along with the Casma Family Foundation. Memorial Cancer Institute came on board as our Purple Chair sponsor. We have many businesses that are engaged and involved and we're planning on participating in the Relay for Life event. And though it's been postponed, their support is still there because as you just said, it's not stopping. 1.8 million Americans it's expected will learn that they have cancer this year. Mm. Uh, On average, one in three Americans will be diagnosed. And the only way we can change that is if we keep the fundraising going so we can take care of that research and provide these support programs. So it's so important that we're mindful and grateful to all the doctors and nurses, all the home care people, every single individual who is helping keep our world going right now. And just like COVID, we are one community. We're all impacted by it. And when it comes to cancer, we still need help. This is where people like Terry come in, the event lead for Margarileville, which would have happened several weeks ago had this craziness of a pandemic not come up. But now, Terry, you and your team have been able to make changes to the program and still hold a virtual Relay for Life coming up this Thursday, April 30th. And kudos to you. Can you give me an idea of what went through your mind when you first learned you would have to postpone 
and then how you came up with these other ways of still maintaining awareness with the Luminaria and then coming up with the virtual concert. Well, one of the things when we learned that everybody was going into quarantine and we were wondering what was going to happen with our relay, and then we got word that it was going to be postponed, everybody was pretty much disappointed. We looked forward to the event. We worked towards it all year long, doing fundraisers leading up to it. So yeah, we, it was a big disappointment. Everybody was getting all geared up. But it is what it is for this year, and we'll be ready as soon as we can to reschedule it and move forward with it. The Luminari event that we did on April 4th, we had a bunch of our volunteers and teams. They lit the luminaries outside their homes. We posted them on social media because we want people to know that we still remember the people lost from cancer. We still honor those survivors from cancer. And we're still here fighting the fight, raising money to help find a cure. Then the event that's coming up, the virtual concert that's coming up, actually that was the brainstorm of a couple of people. And Peter pretty much spearheaded it (laughs) and got some great people to participate. So we're looking forward to that. We want to make sure that we stay out front that we are still here, that we are still looking to fundraise, and that once we're able to get back together as a community, we're going to come out fighting and we're going to be fierce and we're going to have the best event ever because it's going to be like a huge celebration as well that everybody can be together and have our event and make it the most successful one yet. Well, this virtual concert is going to be very exciting. Even before you get to the actual Relay for Life event, let me just start with someone who is a legend in South Florida and really all over the world, Tito Puente Jr. How'd you manage that? (laughs) Peter? Well, Tito Puente Jr. is such an amazing person. He has such a big heart. And when I joined the American Cancer Society a year ago, I heard that he had supported our organization by performing at different events, including Latina Festival a few years ago in the Western area. And it just so happened that I ran into Mr. Tito Puente Jr. at the Pembroke Pines Jazz Fest where he was performing and was able to introduce myself. And then again at a five below, (laughs) I said, hey, I know you. And, you know, the truth of the matter is there are so many amazing people. And he was just such a genuine, humble person that I had the opportunity to meet. And we had a conversation, which led to another one. And when we were trying to brainstorm about coming up with something to stay present, to connect the community, provide some sort of fun to celebrate, to connect it to the theme, kick back and kick off your flip-flops and relax and celebrate that Margarita theme we were trying to create. It was brought to my attention that he's one of the artists that performed in the past, and I was reminded of him by my senior manager. And so I sent him a text, and he didn't even hesitate. He said he will find a way, and we're excited to have it, and we're excited to have him. He's not the only one. we got some great performers that jumped at the chance that reached out to us and say, hey, are you doing anything? I want to help. I recognize some of the names. Tell me more. Sure. So there's a local singer-songwriter. Her name is Alyssa Marie Toon. I got to hear her perform some songs in the country genre last year, and she's performed at different Relay for Life events. She has an EP coming out. 
We also have Miss Cami Liz, who's performed at several Relay for Life and other events and's gotten a lot of acclaim with some of the big shows. She's a singer-songwriter as well. Gary Gore is a local performer. He actually does kid shows through his Gary Kazoo, and then he does his classic rock covers and original songs. He's got a couple albums out, and he'll be donating some time and sharing his music with us. We also have a local country artist Ricky Valido who's been hitting the charts has an album coming out and just launched some updated materials and of course another mm-hmm. local favorite who made it to the big stage yep. uh, some people might remember last season of the voice our local boy doing good Mr. Preston C. how yeah. uh, what a voice he is marvelous and of course he's been a big supporter of boys and girls clubs of Broward County which we've worked together on at Pembroke Lakes Mall so I'm so glad you brought him in for this for the American Cancer Society. Ricky Valido has also been a supporter of Relay for Life. He's played at some events as well. He performed at the International Music Festival last year and um, just each and every one of them were quick to say yes. How can I help? What can I do? And in this time of COVID, each of them, they're working on their albums, but All their gigs have dried up. So we're hoping that your listeners and our supporters, if they haven't met and heard these artists before, will become as big a fan as we are and support them as well. Because when we all support each other, we all grow. So Terry, when this concert happens, which is on Thursday the 30th from 7 to 8.30 p.m., you'll be streaming from a couple of sites. Where do people go to catch it? It'll be an event on Facebook. So it's facebook.com slash Relay for Life of Pembroke Pines. You know, anybody can tune in to listen. It's also going to be uh, facebook.com slash American Cancer FL. We just want people to tune in. We want to help these artists, you know, have the listeners out there to show that they're supporting their community. And then for them to also see that we're still here. We're ready to continue this fight, find a cure for cancer, and to help people with all the services that the American Cancer Society has to offer. And in what ways will people be able to assist the American Cancer Society? Would there be a link where they can make donations? Yes, there will be a link and they can go in and they can make donations. There'll be a button for them right there on Facebook to click and donate right through Facebook. We'll also share the RelayForLife.org website where listeners and viewers that are watching the concert locally can go to our Relay page, RelayForLife.org slash Pembroke Pines Miramar, or they could just go to RelayForLife.org and type in our cities or their local cities and donate directly to their local Relay. We're hoping to bring the community together and provide ways for them to donate if they can. If donating isn't the option right now, you could always register as a participant, be kept up to date with the next thing that we're going to be rolling out, and also volunteer. We yeah. need volunteers. Always. We can always use more people. And also now that people will have our Facebook page and the website, they can always watch it for when we do reschedule our event. And then hopefully people will come out to the event and see what it's all about. It'll be amazing. But we have our mission, but we try to make it fun for everybody, remembering why we're there. And I've been part of it for five years, and I can't even explain to you how many wonderful friends I've made, how many survivors I've met, which gives you hope. 
Right. And that's what it's all about. That's what we remember why we're there. I'm very excited about this Thursday, April 30th, the virtual Relay for Life concert, Margaret Relayville, 7 to 8.30, streaming online. We do have the event on our Facebook page at Easy 93.1, so you can follow the links from there. Would you like to give the toll-free number if anyone needs to call, has concerns, uh, is dealing with cancer or a diagnosis and needs assistance? The number to call any time of the day, any day of the week, is 1-800-227-2345. Okay. Again, 1-800-227-2345. All right. I thank you both. You know, stepping up during this very difficult time is beyond. So thank you for that, Terry Brophy. The event lead for Marguerite-Layville, the actual Relay for Life postponed, but instead we have a fabulous concert set for Thursday, April 30th, 7 to 8.30 p.m. It will be streaming, and you can follow the link from our Facebook events page. And Peter Rose, Community Development Manager for the American Cancer Society in Southeast Florida Chapter. Thank you both. Thank you, Alan. And actual when we get our new date for our event, we will definitely let you know. Absolutely. We'll talk about it again. Thank you, guys. Thank Thank you. you. And thank you for joining us this morning for Easy's Community Focus, where we look at the issues that matter in South Florida and the people and organizations that are making a difference. If you have questions or would like to suggest a topic, you can email me at ellen at easy93.com. Join us again next Sunday at 6.50 for a new segment of Easy's Community Focus. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.